Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 157. I am Anita Helm and today is September 13, 2021. I normally don't date the actual episode because I want it to be timeless. But today I am praising the Lord God for my mother's Rosetta Bush's 92nd birthday where the Lord has found grace to allow her to see this day and happy birthday mom. Also, I wanted to share, you know, in one of my grief share groups, they talk about your first. Well, last Saturday, September the 11th, 2021, would have been my 23rd wedding anniversary. So this was my first opportunity to go through that uh, date where William is in heaven celebrating Jesus and worshiping Christ. And I'm here in the natural celebrating Jesus and worshiping Christ. So we're both doing the same thing, but he gets to see with his own glorified eyes what's going on in heaven. And one day when the Lord's ready, I'll get that opportunity to see, see for myself and to see my brother in the Lord again. Uh, lastly, I wanted to kind of uh, share the exciting news. We have Pastor Michael David Watts, who's the pastor of our church, and the Holy Spirit has been on fire sharing some great teachings in the Friday night Bible study where we're learning about the joy of the Lord is my strength out of Nehemiah 8. Uh, verse 10 and then this past Sunday we had church school that we were studying out of 1st Corinthians 4 and then he followed up in the worship service to talk about the dangers of being a spiritually immature and if you have not seen or heard that teaching I admonish you to go back and I'm going to read before I start prison faith I'm going to read Hebrews 5 and I'm going to read just a few passages of scripture because I'm going to tie in some of the things that Pastor Watts was saying because as you talk about prison faith prison faith is not immature faith and if you ever gone through some situations in your life where you have struggled and you're going through some hard times and I'm going to be talking about three situations of people being in prison but I'm going to tell you the truth there are some situations even as we've been going through this pandemic for now almost two years and the way people are acting foolish it may be another year so it may be three years but you may feel like that you're in some level of bondage but you need to have some spiritually strong muscles in the Lord and this immaturity about this milkshake is not what's going to happen hold on for a second I'm going to read it out of Hebrews chapter 5 starting at verse 11 Hebrews chapter 5 starting at verse 11 we have much to say about this but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn in fact Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God, of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, many of you don't know how Milkshake Monday started. Well, Pastor Helm, almost three years ago, said to our congregation of Resurrection Baptist Church, he said, Church, I want you all to be in prayer about something extraordinary that you can do for the kingdom of God. And the Lord put on my heart about Milkshake Monday. Milkshake Monday was 
a, a playoff of what they're talking about in Hebrews 5, but I also will talk to you about 1 Corinthians 3, that there were so many people that would come across our paths that were in church, outside the church, and they didn't know the elemental basics about the Word of God. And even if they knew the basics, they were so fearful or apathetic or whatever the description that God knows himself about how they would not apply the scriptures of God's word to go and to share the truth with other people, to go out and tell the people who Jesus Christ was, no matter where they were. I'm too afraid. Somebody else could do it better. It was always an excuse. Well, as this started years ago, we're on 157 episodes now. Faith used to be my production. HKLU for HKL for you productions used to do the the lighting and the the cameras and all that stuff. So when she went to college, I was on my own. But before then, Faith would say, "Mom, aren't you only doing this for fifteen minutes?" Because I said I was going to start and make it very quick. But as I remembered some of this scripture. The word of God is not for us to just be throwing it out there. Yes, there are seeds of the word. No question about that. But the word of God is so important. And some of the nonsense that we're focusing on is so unimportant and doesn't help us. That me giving you 15 minutes when God's word is so rich and there's so much that we need to learn. I started going from 15 minutes to 17 minutes to 20 minutes to 25 minutes. And some days here it's 30, 44, 44, 45 minutes. Because when the Holy Spirit wants to train his children to be mature, it takes time. And I always say, Lord, have your way. Whatever he puts in my heart to teach, I will teach it. And when it's done, I'll say it at the end. God bless you. The Lord will see you next week. And that's the way it is. So tonight about prison faith. Prison faith, like I said, is not for babies. There are mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and friends and neighbors who have had people in prison. Now, there are a lot of people that may be still in prison, who were in prison, past tense. And there are people that got away as they think, and they haven't gone to prison because they think they've got away with some sin, some law breaking, and they think they've got away with it. All of us know that if God had to put the, the video camera on us, we've been speeding, we've done stuff that we shouldn't have been done, and we could find ourselves in a prison. But tonight we are going to watch, in the sense of the scriptures, three situations. I have four, but I'm, the three I'm going to take you to scriptures, and the fourth I may just touch on if we have time. So in Genesis 39, I want you all to think about something. We always hear the story about Joseph. We always hear about Joseph in prison, and we think his prison sentence started when he was in prison. But I want y'all to understand, Joseph at 17 had that dream, and his brothers sold him into slavery. And if you know about slavery, whether you're talking about the Hebrew nation, or you're talking about black Americans, African Americans, when you're enslaved, you're not free. You're in bondage. So whether I call it prison bars or in bondage, you're in bondage. So in chapter 39, when you see Joseph being a slave to Potiphar, he is not free. But what you will find, even in the midst of some bondage situations, things that you are struggling with, even in your flesh, where you can have sickness and disease, mental struggles, challenges, whatever your bondage may be, you can always see some of these same principles that show that even in the midst of whatever you're going through, you can have prison faith. Faith in Jesus is not 
relegated to you being walking around. There are people that are in some serious situations that they find themselves still trusting God, still having the favor of God, still having that promise that God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. So here we're going to start in Genesis 39. The story of Joseph. And I'm going to read that passage from the beginning of verse 1. But I want to key in on some words. Because as you're going through prison faith, some of these same principles apply to you and I. You can be in a bad marriage and you feel like you're in a prison. You can be in a financial bondage and you feel like you're in a prison. All these different things could fill you with some low self-esteem, despair, and feeling like you're trapped. But God says, he's liberty. Having Christ in your life, that's something that with him you have everything you need. So let's begin at verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him. So he's a slavery gang. He was already sold to the people that his brothers had sold him to. But they're selling him a second time to Potiphar who has bought him. He was a free man. And now he's being bought by Potiphar. Bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites. Which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. That's the principle I want you to write down. That even in the midst of whatever you're going through. The Lord is with you. Hold that tight. The Lord is with you. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, was the prosperous man Potiphar? Or the prosperous man in this situation, uh, Joseph? How could a slave be prosperous? It's not the slave that's prosperous. It's the rich God. It's the prosperous and the prosperity of who God is. God has everything. Peace, grace, mercy, truth. The anointing, the power. All of that still with God. And God was showing Joseph that he was with him. And he's with you and I. Verse 3 says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Do y'all understand that even in the midst of you being in bondage or whatever the circumstances is, that the person that you're talking about is Potiphar. He's an Egyptian. It didn't say he was a follower after the Hebrew God, but even the sinner that's outside of the, the house of worship of our holy God can see when God is with you and when God is with me. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So there's no question about he was prosperous. He was prosperous because of God. Even people that are in prison, if the Lord's anointing is on them, even if they're in prison, and you're going to find out he shouldn't have been in prison. He shouldn't have been even in Portobars. His family should have loved him enough. His brothers should have loved him enough that they shouldn't have ever thought about Throwing him in a pit and selling him. Or wanting even to kill him. But that's where his circumstances were. But even then, with the Lord being with him. The man outside of his faith saw that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Didn't say it was him. It said the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. Same with you and I. 
Why is sister this prospering? Why is brother that prospering? Not because of them. It's because of the Lord that they serve. Verse 4 says, and, G and Joseph found grace in his sight. And he served him. And he made him an overseer over his house. Now, if he had a funky attitude. If he had a, I can't believe my brothers did this. I can't believe I'm being sold for a second time. I can't believe I'm not at my daddy's house. All the complaining and griping and complaining, complaining, complaining. And what God is going on with my dream that you said. Can you imagine? None of that is ever spoken of in Genesis 39. But yet you see that Joseph found grace in his sight and served him. Didn't talk behind his back. These are some things that even as you're going through some struggles, watch your tongue. Watch your attitude. Watch your focus. May your focus be on the Lord, not focus on your circumstance. Verse 5 says, And it came to pass from time to time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. You are blessing other people in your workplace, in your household sometimes, in your circumstance. They're not being blessed because of them. They're being blessed because of who you are, who God is showing that he's with him, with you, with I. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. It wasn't just in the house. It was in the field too. So you say, why do I need to have prison faith? Why wouldn't you want to have the blessing of God in your life, on your person, extending past you to the people in your, in your atmosphere, in your environment? Do you understand when God blesses you, when God prospers you, that's outstanding. It just doesn't stay in the boundaries of your house. It goes out to the field. Do you understand the kind of power our God has? But look what happens. Even when you are being blessed and God is showing that he's with you, doesn't mean the enemy won't try to do something to distract you, to derail you, to detour you, to cause you to say, oh man, what's going on with me? Here we're getting ready to see that even in the midst of him doing what's right before the Lord and God blessing him, God blessing Potiphar and his house and his field, here's where Satan creeps in. It says here, verse 6, And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not all he had. He didn't know what he had in his house because Joseph had everything. Save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Y'all know what that means. She want to have sex with the boy. He looks good. She wants to defile her marriage vows with Joseph, who's a slave, who she thinks he'll do whatever I want because he's a slave. He's captured. My, my husband's bought him. He'll do the ungodly thing because I'm demanding it of him. And who will know? But look what happens. Verse 8. But he refused. And even when you're in the midst of some bad circumstances and Satan brings ungodly things into your opportunity to do it, you have to remember, stand fast to the principles of what God has taught you. 
where you know that in your spirit, you know what right and wrong is. It's not any righteousness in us. No, not one, but it's Christ. And when we accept the free gift of his salvation, we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling us right and wrong. And here we see in verse 8, but he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master's wanton, not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? See, we as saints, we know what's wicked. We know that even in this story, it could have been, if he wasn't thinking about his God and what was right before the Lord, he could have said, I could have slipped, I could have slipped, I could have slipped between the sheets and nobody would have known. But he knew how wicked it was and he knew it was not right. And you see here, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He didn't say sin against Potiphar. When we do our evil, we don't do our evil against that friend, that enemy, that people that we think that we don't like. We do it against God. And it came to pass that she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie with her. And I can't do the whole story. Fast forward, she's lied on him. And there's some people in prison that we hear all the time with these different projects that they're in prison for decades because they've been lied on. Somebody has falsified rape charges. That just didn't happen in the 21st century. Portifar's wife lied on Joseph and he is going to be incarcerated. He is going to prison for a trumped up charge of a lie that a woman lied against him. But it says here, let's jump down. Portifar's heard the lie. He believes it. He sends him to prison. We're going to jump down to verse 18. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried, then he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master, who was being blessed, He's forgotten about the blessing, forgotten about the God with him. He's believing the lie of his wife. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. Now, he's already a slave, so he's already, he didn't have his liberty. But now he's going behind bars. A place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. Verse 21, but the Lord, but the Lord was with Joseph. He's a slave. The Lord is with him and he's prospering. Now he's in prison on trumped up charges of a lie. And it says, the first thing he says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Now, before didn't we have prosperity? He was prosperous. Now we got mercy. Prison like faith, God will be with you. He will prosper you. He will show you that he will be merciful to you. Even as you go through all that the challenges, the tough times. We're not saying that this was a cakewalk to go into prison or to be a slave. But God can be with you so that you can even have prison faith. It says, but the Lord 
was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor. We always talk about the favor, God's favor, God's favor, God's favor. But in the, in the midst of him being with him, he showed mercy and he gave him favor. It wasn't just the one, one thing. He was with him. With you. When you have God with you, you've got everything you need. But the mercy of God, that people will see it on you, that don't even know God. They'll see something is about you. And they say, it's, it's got to be God. They don't even know the Lord that he's, he's professing. They don't even know, but they know something's different. And even the, the people outside of God, God's house will know something's different about you and me. And gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, y'all know something about prisons. Y'all act like y'all going to be so innocent. Prison is tough. I've never been in prison, but I've heard about rape. I've heard about being abused. I've heard about all the different trading of drugs and all kinds of paraphernalia in prison. How you got to know things about guards and how you got to know the system and people go in there and they come in and out and there's gangs and there's all kinds of stuff in prison. Sexual immorality is in Genesis. Sexual immorality is from Genesis to Revelation. It's not new. I'm not saying that Joseph was molested. I'm not saying that. It doesn't say that. But I'm saying prison ain't no fun time. But here God has got the man that he's already given a dream to. He's in prison, but now the prison guard. How many of y'all know correction officers that are going to turn over the jail and the administration of the jail to the prisoner? Come on now. God is showing him such favor that this prison guard, this prison person that's in charge of the place is going to make sure that Joseph is the one running the place. Didn't he just run things at Potiphar's house? And now he's thrown in jail and God has given him such favor. That even the prison guard is going to turn over the things to him. But he's still in bondage. Verse 22 says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything. Doesn't that sound familiar? He looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord. Y'all see why? It, it, Genesis 39 is a textbook explanation of how you have to stop having the pity party and how you have to stop looking to God. Even in the midst of your struggle. I don't care if it's physical, financial, behind physical bars, whatever the situation is. It said that prison guard said because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it prosper. You're prospering. You're a slave and you're prospering in the house of your slave owner. And you're prospering so much that the slave owner is prospering in his house in the field. And now you're in prison. And the keeper of the prison is recognizing that even there, God has made it to prosper. How, how do you make a prison prosper? But however it was done, God did it. Now, I'm not going to have y'all read the whole story of Genesis 39, but y'all know Joseph was a forgotten. And there's some prisoners and there's some people even in your life and even you that may feel that you're forgotten. You're going through a struggle and you feel like you're forgotten. But don't ever think that. What you have to read when you go to your time and you do your study time is that God didn't forget him. People may have forgotten Joseph. 
But in reality, in God's timing, everything works out just according to God's divine plan. I will tell you all this. Reverend has been passed for since August 2nd. If you know anything about Reverend, I, I'm diverting a little bit because I got to tell this testimony. Reverend is a giver. He gives. He gives no matter what we have or, you know, he just gives it. And even with me in retirement, he just said, Nita, it's going to work out. God's going to provide. And I can tell you that that scripture that says that God will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you wouldn't even be able to receive it. When my husband said in faith decades ago, Years ago, even less than decades, he would say, the Lord will provide, Nita. The Lord will provide. And I'm like, Lord, I said, we're spending, we're giving, we're giving. And he said, the Lord will provide. William Helm, you were right. The Lord has been merciful and kind and he has provided and cup is running over. But it's not for me. It's for us to share. It is for us to share. But I, every time a check comes into this house, I cry. I cry because I would love to have my William back. But at the same time, I say, God, look at you showing off. Look at you showing your word to be true and faithful. Look at the mercy and the favor and the prosperity. I've seen it. I'm living it. Let's go to another scripture. We're going to go to Peter. And we're going there because Acts 12, Acts chapter 12, where you see there wasn't a lot of conversation in Joseph in that it always talked about God's favor, God's favor, God's mercy. But here we are, Peter's been thrown into prison because Herod thinks that's the thing that's going to make everybody happy and make the crowd happy. And sometimes things are being done to you because somebody thinks that it's going to benefit them, it's going to get some favor to whoever folks they're trying to please. But in the case, Peter was asleep. That even in the midst of what I see here, that prison-like faith, you should have trust in God. That you can go to sleep and rest. Not many people go to sleep in prison and sleep. And they acted like it was his first night that he got in there because they said the people were praying. But it said Peter was asleep. He'd been seized, thrown into prison, but he is asleep. But I think that's a testimony to us. That we could stay up like some of us do when the kids is acting a fool, when the bills aren't right, when your physical diagnosis has scared you to think you get ready to leave this earth sooner than you want to leave. You're not going any sooner than the sovereign Lord says it's your time and your pages are finished. But you can have a peace about you. Like the scripture says, a peace that surpasses all understanding. To the point that we find our brother, Peter, is asleep. He doesn't know about the prayer meeting. He doesn't know that there's a prayer meeting going on, but he does know about the God that he's, he's proclaiming. He did remember Acts chapter 2 where he saw the power of the Spirit of God come upon him and to be able to speak and teach the Word of God. And he's seen that the, the church is being added to daily. But let's start here in verse 3 of chapter 12 of Acts. And because he, being Herod, saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, so he's not free, 
He was free, but now he's arrested. He's incarcerated. Ching, ching. Arrested him. He put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers. Now, I don't know if y'all know anything about the military. Four soldiers is one thing. We're talking about squads. One man. Because they know that this ain't just one man. They, that fool is Herod. He's done, he's, he's done some crazy wicked things. But he knows that Peter's on the Lord's side. So he don't just give him one guard. He don't give him two guards. It says four squads of soldiers to keep him. See, he's, he's saying this ain't just Peter he's dealing with. He's dealing with some supernatural things that he don't understand. But he's understanding. He needs four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Because what did he say? They liked when he killed James, so he's going to try it with Peter. He said he got away with it with James, but something about Peter, he thinks he needs four squads. Verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer in the midst of your prison and bondage, you be in prayer, but the people who you know know Jesus, have them praying for you. Stop being so proud and don't want to tell people your business. I tell y'all, keep praying for me. Is my family that we're going through the grief of what we're going through? Pray for me. Pray for the kids. Pray for the brothers and sisters. Pray for the family and friends. Pray. Y'all know how it is to lose somebody. So I don't want to be private. I don't want to be prideful. I'm telling you, we need your prayers. But Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. People are the church, not the building, but the church. The body of Christ was meeting in the house and they were praying, asking God, asking God to be with Peter, to release Peter, to send his power to get Peter out because they knew that the intention of Herod was evil and it was destructive to the point of wanting to kill him. That's what Satan wants, to steal, kill, and destroy. But we got to pray. It says, and when Herod was about to bring him out, that night, Peter was sleeping, bound. Now, he's, he's got four squads. If you think that you've got four squads of people, why do you need to bound them with chains? If he got all these people, all these men, two men would have been enough. Four men would have been enough. Well, you got squads of people and you still need to chain the brother up? They know that something ain't, something ain't normal about what's going on with Peter. So they said, bound with two chains between two soldiers. So he's got two soldiers. in He's in the middle of a sandwich here. Soldier on one side, soldier on the other side. But they got him in a chain. Got him in chains. Between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. So I want y'all to understand, we read the scripture so fast. They're so concerned with Peter. Herod wants to have his little spectacle the next day. But they got a, a guard on both sides of the man. He's chained up. They got him behind bars. They got people posted before the bars. So all these people are there and Peter's sleeping. He's sleeping, even though what he can see with his eyes, it's like he ain't getting out of there. And sometimes what you see with your eyes, you see hey, all the troubles around you. It's like that Red Sea. You know, the Red Sea's in front of you. The mountains are on each side. And in the back of you, you got Pharaoh's army. Well, Peter had a situation in that prison where everything around him looked like he was a goner. Sometimes your, your situation's like you're a goner. Your finances are gone. Your, your, your health is gone. 
Everything, your mental capacity is gone. Everything's like gone. But you're not remembering about praying. You're not remembering about the God. Jesus said he rose with all power. All power. So here it says here. Verse 7 says, Now behold, an angel. What angel? An angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. Some versions say, Get up. And his chains fell off his hands. Now, y'all see a light. Now, if all these guards are around him, a light is on him. They said the, the, he's between the two soldiers, and the chains have fallen off of him. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Pull on your garment and follow me. He's got a chance to have the chains fall off. Light is on. He's doesn't have no clothes on. Put his clothes on. Put his shoes on. Get your stuff. We can make it out of here. What are the four squads, y'all? God don't care about how many squads the enemy puts in your path. When he is ready to move, and ready to free you of your prison, all you have to do is say, yes, Lord, let's get on out of here. Peter wasn't even sure. When you start to read this story, he wasn't even sure what was really happening because it was just unbelievable to him. Do you understand that? You don't see Peter was there praying. He was asleep. The people that were praying were at the house. Peter was asleep. So he, verse 9 says, so he went out and followed him. And did not know that what was done by the angel was real. He's thinking he's still asleep. He said, ain't no way. Just like some of y'all see some of these things happen and God manifests his power. And you're like, what just happened? Pam, you online. You know when you had James Madison that bill? What just happened? God just made it go away. Y'all got testimonies of how God shows up. And you're like, if you look in the natural, that stuff don't happen. But God, when he decides to do what he's going to do for you, watch out. Ain't nobody, no guards, no chains, no, no guards in the front, guards on the side, guards on the back. When God shows up, God is all-powerful as he always is, and he will get his will to be done. When they were past the first and the second guard post, because y'all remember the boy got four squads. He got four squads, y'all. But when he went past in verse 10, the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city which opened to them of its own accord. The gate opened for him. He done gone past all these guards, y'all. And the, the iron gate is supposed to keep people closed in. It just opened on up. Because God just said, God can just open on up. Ain't nothing going to hold God. Ain't nothing going to hold him back from doing what he needs to do. The, the iron gates that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. Angel gone. Our angel came to do what God said. Get Peter out. My, my believers in, in the house, they're praying. Go get, go get Peter out of there. Go get Peter out of there. And when Peter had come to himself, because he thought he was in a sleep. He thought he was asleep. He couldn't even believe it was real. When he came to himself, he said, now I know 
for certain that the Lord has sent his angel. Sometimes y'all don't even understand when God does a blessing that only he could do. You're like, oh, wow, God. Oh, God. You just got to stop and say, praise the Lord, God. Only you. Only you. I, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me. Y'all see that testimony? Even Joseph was delivered. Took his, it took the time of God, the divine plan of God. But here Peter is being delivered physically out of a prison too by a holy angel. It says, and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. The expectation of the Jewish people that he's going to be dead because we got to stop this Jesus thing. The expectation of Herod is I'm going to put this boy to death because the people are going to love me. But not when God has got his hand on these people and they have his favor and his mercy and his, he's prospering. And he's got a plan, a divine plan on your life, on my life. Whatever Satan thinks he has that's going to get us all discombobulated and upset and frazzled and discouraged and despair. Y'all got to keep your eyes on Christ because we don't know. I told William Hill before he died, I said, you know, when you were sick, this is to keep you from preaching. He couldn't do it with the stroke. He couldn't do it when you couldn't move and walk and do all this stuff. It's like, okay, now you got to keep you till you barely breathe. Then he's going to have to do your blood, but all in God's timing because God knows when William Helm was going to go be with Christ. And we were just preparing. And God and William Helm, y'all don't believe this. Albany and Faith will tell you this. William Helm for years has always talked about my third husband. That is the strangest thing for your current husband to talk to you about. Well, your next husband. I was like, I'm still married to you. Why do you keep talking about my next husband? You are alive. Even though you're sick, you're alive. But he keeps saying, well, neither you're going to do it. I was like, okay. Faith, faith in Albany can testify. So you don't know what God is already speaking in two people's understanding about what the future holds. You just have to walk by faith, not by sight. Let's go to the third example. Acts chapter 16. All of these scriptures about prisons, you all know, you read, you read, you read. But the thing about it is, when you're going through your struggle... You think you're the only one. You think that God can't possibly understand what you're going through, how you're hurting, how you feel devastated, how you just don't know how it's going to just be worked out. These are examples of God showing you he's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than the small God that you have him in your circumstance. Elevate God to who he is. He's all powerful. There's nothing that God cannot do. With God, all things are possible. But you have to believe. Now, Acts 16, I won't read it all. But the reality of what you find when you have Paul inside a prison is that they were singing praises and hymns. I realized in the last, probably in the last week, that one thing I hadn't been doing, I've been sharing with you all the message of Christ. I've been trying to read the study of the word to teach Milkshake Monday. But I realized when Reverend Pastor Watts has been talking about the joy of the Lord, 
that I had not been singing. If you know me, I sing, I hum, I do all that all the time. I'm always singing. That's just a part of me. I love to sing and praise and worship. But I hadn't been doing it. I've been talking to God. I've been crying to God. But you know stuff. But I didn't find myself singing. And so the other day I was going, I was outside. And I said, Anita, why don't you sing something? And I think at the installation service, they had praises what I do. And that's one of the songs I've soloed on. So I started singing it and I just stopped. And I didn't stop because I wasn't being rebellious. I just stopped. And then, but I kept pondering that thing in my heart. So on Sunday, we were there. And if you see the tape, Caddy was doing the music. And for some reason, the music cut out. It was praise is what I do. And so I found, oh, no, it's every praise. One of those songs cut out. And I was like, Anita, we've been singing a cappella for all these years. Why can't you just go on and sing? We got masks on. You got a loud voice to sing. So I found myself singing for the first time in a way that I really was opening my heart to say every praise, God. Every praise. Every praise. Even in the midst of the sorrow of my heart, every praise is do our God. And it kind of broke loose something. I'm not saying it's totally loose. I'm just telling you that God works on all of us. But here we are in Acts 16. And, and you find that in the midst of them being thrown in jail. And we'll start at verse 24 before we end. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stock. So Peter had been in the arms. But these guys are in the feet. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Again, that prayer. But they were singing. And they were singing hymns to God. They were adoring God. They were praising God. They were uplifting God. And when you're going through your situation, prison faith prays. Prison faith praises God. Sees the other side of wherever your struggle is. Sees that the valley won't always be the valley. But joy comes in the morning. But guess what, saints? A lot of people that say they love God don't believe he can open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Doesn't believe that he can open the prison walls. Doesn't believe that he can get you out of your fix. And he can. And these scriptures that you're seeing, verse 26 says, let me go back to 25 because there's something I want to say. I was talking about the praying and the singing, but I want you to always remember, and the prisoners were listening. People are always watching and listening. Just like the prison guard saw the favor on Joseph. Portifar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. People see that the Lord is with you. Even in the midst of what they see, maybe some bad circumstances going on in your life. They see, they listen to what you say. They watch your continence. I always tell people, I'm not strong. It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's his joy that's my strength. It's him, his spirit, that's my strength. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is strong. And that's why we have to show people, even in the midst of what we're going through in our struggle, our prison-like faith, has to be willing to pray, has to be willing to sing praises to God because there's always people listening. And those prisoners that have been listening are the people that are prisoners to Satan right now. 
prisoners that don't know about who Jesus Christ is. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Not just Paul and Silas, but everyone's chains were loosed. And you've seen the story where the prison guard was going to kill himself, but instead of killing himself, he ends up having his whole household saved. The last person, I'm not going to take y'all to the scripture, but y'all know y'all can go into Joshua 2. Rahab was a prostitute. The reason why I bring her up because I had three men and I wanted to show women that all of us are child, children of the Most High God and we all have situations. Being a prostitute is a sexual trade to make money. That's a bondage. You may make money out of it, but it's a bondage. And even in the midst of that bondage, Rahab knew enough about the God of Israel that she decided to protect and make sure that the two spies from Israel did not get caught. But she asked for something and she asked for the protection of her household. And you know the story and you can keep reading it. But there are situations where people who don't know God are in bondage, but they have an opportunity to just have that witness and they go and they ask and the time that they ask for it's not going to be a prostitute possibly asking to save her family but guess what she asked to save her family but some prostitutes that you may know some people in the sex traffic that you may know some people that are drug addicts that you may know some people that are alcoholics that you may know some people that are in bondage they want to ask for the salvation of their family and it's not always about you giving them money it's you giving them Christ you given them prayer. You given them understanding. You given them the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is to tell them that all this flakiness that's going on, that the way, the truth, and the life is Jesus Christ, and that no man comes to the Father except through the Son. You tell them the Word of God. You give them the seeds of the Scriptures so that they don't have to be in the bondage of whatever Satan is trying to trap them and kill them. You be an opportunity to tell them about your faith, to tell them about how God can give liberty, even in the midst of a struggle, even in the midst of being behind bars or being at their house and feeling like they're in bondage, being in their mind and the suffering of whatever they got going on. You tell them about having Christ-like faith. It makes a difference. It makes a tremendous difference. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you continue to pray for the ministry of Resurrection Baptist Church, for the ministry of all of the people that you know that don't know Christ. We need to share who Christ is because we don't know the hour that God the Father will say it's time. We assume we have a lot of time, but things are happening and we have to be ready and we have to be willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to whoever he puts in our path. The harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. I pray in the name of Jesus that everyone under the sound of my voice gets serious about being in the labor force for Jesus Christ to spread the gospel to everyone that he puts in your path. Lord willing, I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. God bless you. Good night.